And here we go. We've been waiting for this for, oh, I don't know, 11 and a half years. But uh, we are finally ready to go spooky live here with our 500th episode. And how do we celebrate? The same way we celebrate everything, champagne and cake. And talking about the paranormal, which we're going to do starting right now, episode 500 of Spooky South Coast, coming your way. there to celebrate number 500 thank you to dave matt does, do you remember is it under the question still is that okay under the question is the group behind that song also previous theme remember the old theme song the one that yes. used to get us in trouble every week i miss it kind of i do too it was just just what made the show but the good the good thing is now is with this unlicensed music, you know, when it when it becomes huge and everybody wants to have the Spooky South Coast song, right. then Under the Question can throw it up for download and get a buck a piece for it and Absolutely. they can make some money off of it. So how's everybody doing? You don't seem uh, in a celebratory mood. We haven't opened the champagne yet. That's because we were just happy to make it this far. I was thinking about this on the way in tonight. Here we are, episode 500. 500 times we've come in and done this show. And we've already hit our 10th anniversary last year, about a year and a half ago. Now we hit show number 500. What milestone is on the rise now? I think every week from this point on is just a milestone. I agree with that. If we just make it to another Saturday night, we should be proud of ourselves. We do pretty good so far. Mm. We've been here more this year than we've ever been. Well, that's because Matt finally figured out the YouTube streaming. Right. Which is huge, and which is allowing us to actually be doing the show right now because the Red Sox are still in the middle of their game. Right. Think about all those weeks, though. Matt and Matt, you guys remember this, when we would have to go all the way from you know Wareham to here, and back in those days, we used to carpool and like meet up, and so we'd have to, uh, we'd have to coordinate times to come in here. Sometimes nobody had eaten, we had to get food, whatever. We'd go through all these hoops that we would have to jump to get in here and just sit and wait <laughs> yes. and wait. And then poor Kristen Gartland, I think, is still waiting on hold to, to come on the show. There, there was that one episode where she kind of waited and waited and waited and waited. And finally, we did 15 minutes. Because back then, we couldn't go past midnight because everything was kind of automated. Right. And we couldn't, like, override anything. Or we, we didn't trust ourselves enough to override anything because we were afraid we wouldn't be able to get it back. But now, we can do whatever we want. Sometimes I come in here and just sit in this room and do spooky South Coast when I'm here alone and don't even put it on the air. Just talk to myself about the paranormal, which is what we talk about each and every Saturday night now, the previous 499 times we talked about it. Matt put a pretty good graph up on the website. I don't know if anybody saw it, but he has a – if you go to the newly revised SpookySouthCoast.com, awesome job, by the way, Matt. I haven't had a chance to tell you. But if you go to the Spooky South Coast website and you go to the page that's about us, 
you can see a representation of the different topics that we talk about through Matt's scientific um, calling through all the data. He basically went through every single show that we've ever done, all 499 of them, and he figured out exactly how many times we talked about ghosts, how many times we talked about UFOs, and other things. So you can check it out. I don't want to tell Matt that my stream just dropped. Right, row. I don't want him to know because he's going to get mad. But well, I'm just going to keep talking because I don't know what's happening. The uh, it could just be my computer. But the so as I said, this is like the last big milestone that we have. This is the last kind of you know billboard show we can do for ourselves. And I think really from now on, we should just. Not worry about any of that stuff, you know? Like, not worry about, we have to hit 500. Not worry about, we have to hit 10 years. Not worry about, let's just take each and every week as it comes, as a gift. Just be thankful each and every week that they haven't canceled us, that they haven't changed the locks, that they haven't said, you know what, I think on Saturday nights, instead of talking about ghosts, we're going to have, you know, Stephanie Miller. No. So we should just be happy with the time that we have and take each week as its own blessing to us. How's that for positive? When am I ever positive? Never. So this is this is pretty big. Maybe this is a milestone all on its own right now. Maybe I already started drinking champagne. You might have. <laughs> no, I <didn't. laughs> But the, the good thing about 500 and looking back on some of these is it, it, I, I was going through some of the old shows today. I thought I was going to be able to just come in here and queue up a bunch of old clips and run them on the computer. But as it turns out, whatever, with our podcast server. I'll, I can't seem to access some of those older episodes. So instead, I went through and I found all the discs because I did back up everything to disc. And as I'm going through it all, I'm like, well, this it's way too much of a process to start pulling stuff out of this to be able to broadcast it tonight. But the good news is I did come up with a, a Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. I did come up with a good idea. Did you? Yes, we can farm out those episodes to people who donate through the Patreon yeah. site. So we'll be able to do that. So that's those are my two big ideas for what we can do. One is automatic download, automatic delivery of the show as soon as it's over, every Saturday night. Yep. So you wouldn't get it as a podcast. You'd get it like as an email. But you would get it automatically as soon as the show is over. And then the other next tier up, you can get that. And you can also get once a week we will send you a classic show in a direct email as well. I so. could come up with a million ideas sitting here right now. Well, start writing them down. <laughs> will do. The, uh, the other good thing about 500, too, is we can look back at some of these episodes that we've done and say, you know, how many times have we, as I was saying, you know, Matt, I was kind of being facetious when I said that he, uh, that he went back and, you know, went through all of those. But you can go back and see exactly the topics that we've covered, and, and some of them I had totally forgotten about. Like, do you remember when we did the show that was the Angels and Demons show? Yeah, where we had Keith Johnson in, and uh, and Renee from Taps was the angelologist. We had them on, and they were you know going back and forth. Like I'm looking at some of these shows and saying, wow, like once upon a time, we really like put on shows where people could learn things. Now we just come on and we bullshit all the time. Like I can say that because we're on YouTube. Oh, so like oh sorry, I forgot about dark matter. All right, and iTunes. Mark this. Uh, mark this one as adult content only. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> backyard podcast coming oh. this summer. Uh, but the did you ever find the old one? 
Oh, it's there. Oh, I have it. Oh, I have it. That's never going anywhere. And you know what's funny? Is if there was ever any episode I could say to the Spooky South Coast audience and be like, hey, we lost some of our old podcasts. Can you guys find anyone? That would be the one that everybody would have and ready to go for us. But basically I found all of these oh old discs. Holy moly. And there, there's other ones. I didn't find them all. These are just the ones that I was able to grab off my shelf before we left. So this is like all of Spooky South Coast of 2012. This is all of 2013. These are some of the old bumper files that Matt used to make, some of yep. the old old bumpers that we used to do. Uh, this had like some photos and stuff and some videos. I found the investigative footage of when we shot that pilot when we were shooting that sizzle. No reel way, in. really? Yep, we found that. Some of the uh, early episodes. The very first episode is back on this, way back on, on this disc, which is terrible audio. And I also found, this was a good find, the original... Inside the Bridgewater Triangle oh documentary. Wow. The, the short version? The original, the short version the original half hour, minute. one that Aaron can't actually show anywhere. Yes. So I found that. 2011 shows, 2007, here's the first, 2006 part one. So, you know, all these discs all I happen to find. All top secret. And I also found what the original... That? What's left of the original promo photos oh God. that Matt and I did. You really went digging, huh? Well, no, I just happened to look on my shelf, which I never actually go on to. Like, I have this giant bookshelf through the, through, full of paranormal books that I should probably start, like, donating or auctioning off or something that I, you know, just sit in my corner. And then I shoved all these discs, like, on that bookshelf and all these photos and stuff. So I found a few of these. So I was thinking maybe tonight, I think I have a Sharpie. Or maybe we have to get, like, a silver one. But I was thinking maybe we can take, like, three or four of these and we'll sign them. Not that anybody wants our autographs, but we'll sign them, and then uh, nobody wants mine. That's for sure. We can offer them up as like a prize for something. Because let's face it, we're no prizes ourselves, so we got to give them <laughs> something for listening. So you can win a picture. That's what you get—a picture that we paid for eleven and a half years ago. A picture of Tim Weisberg and Matthew Costa standing outside my shed. Have you seen? The, have you ever seen that photo? Before? I have seen the, the that's, photo. That's our awesome. That was. I don't even know how to use Photoshop, so I think I made that with, like, Microsoft Paint or something. That's wicked funny. Or maybe... Did you make that or did I make that? That was, like, the last good thing that I ever did graphically then. So that was... And that's outside my shed, and look at that. It needed to be painted then, and 11 and a half half years later, I still haven't painted it. So, see, you can see that. And it's uh, it's, it's on our social media as well, that picture. Should still have the smoke stain from when we caught the grill on fire? Yeah, yeah, it's a little charred on the side from the first Backyard Podcast. Speaking of which. Speaking of which what? We got to get one of those going. Yeah, we are. We just said that. Um, We've been saying that, though. How about as a prize, one lucky winner gets to join us? We already 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 had somebody donate a few years ago to come and be part of that, so we have to invite them. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. Ellison. They, they said they were going to come from wherever they live and hang out with us wherever we did the Backyard Podcast. Sorry, I'm just fixing my headphones here. So I, I don't think we look that different. Chrissy in the chat room saying that we look so different. We don't yeah, look that do. different. You have wicked baby face in that picture. I still do. You don't You don't have the beard going right. in the picture? Yeah. Well, I had a little goatee then. Not like what you're rocking right now, no. I still have that same sweatshirt, though. At I'm first, Matt, Matt, do you still have that sweatshirt? No. no. At, at first, I didn't even recognize that was Matt. He looked so young in the photo. Is that when Matt was rocking I, the long hair? Yeah, I really didn't recognize him. I don't know. I think he looks the same. No. 
He looks way younger. No, well, anyway, it's a collector's <laughs> item now. Because we'll never take a photo that good ever again. So as we're looking back at these episodes, uh, what we've done, I put out there earlier on social media. I asked people earlier this week on social media. I said, oh, I, should, I should also mention, by the way, I'm Tim Weisberg, Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin Matt Costa over in the corner, science advisor Matt Moniz, and John Brightman hanging out with us tonight. I put out there, I said, you know, what are some of people's favorite episodes? And everybody mentions, you know, people mention the Backyard Podcast. Uh, some people mention the live radio drama that we did, which is still one of the episodes I'm the most proudest of. The War of the Worlds, you know, 2007 version, whatever year it was, 2009. You know, that that's another one that I'm pretty proud of. The rest of them are kind of just crap. You know, <laughs> just download those and the rest of them are just Thanks. filler. I'm just kidding. But um, the one that came up quite frequently was Commander Sani Sido. Oh, God. So a little bit later on, I'm going to play some of the Commander Sani Sido episode when things got contentious between her and Matt Moniz. To the point that people were actually writing about Matt Moniz on the message board, like saying he should be removed from the show for hmm. the way that he treated Commander Sani Sido, which I was there. I didn't see it. I saw a guy that was questioning what somebody was saying, the validity of what she was saying, looking for you know at least some little bit of credibility to take what she was saying and be able to say, okay, let's work with that. And she was unable to provide it. So, but it was all of you know these people who went onto the old message board and were complaining about him were all Commander Sani Sido fans, which I'm still to this day surprised that there's such a thing. But the one thing out of all the years of Spooky South Coast that I wish that I had saved that I can't seem to find anywhere, break down that fourth wall a little bit. In the early years, we had a regular caller who used to call oh. pretty much every week. And and I thought of this the other day, Stephanie, because I heard you when you were on the radio show that you were doing. Yes. Was it Sci-Par Radio? Sci-Par so, Radio, yes. So you were on that show, and you had mentioned, you know, and I've heard you tell this story before, but it, this is when it clicked. When you were younger and your mother would tell you before you went to school, don't tell the other kids that you could see air. And when you say that, when you use that phrase... Well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. No, I said what color they are. But you also said... And who's said around about, them. Something about in the air. But when you say about oh. being able to see that... Yep. I've heard you say that. When you say... You're talking about seeing the colors, seeing auras of people. Right. And I wish that you had actually been there when we started talking to this caller so many years ago because you would have been able to say that's what you're talking about. That's She's talking about auras. Okay. Because we were kind of like, what is she talking about? She's telling us that she can see air. And she used to call like every week mm-hmm. and she would mention that. Except for the week that she mentioned the turkey pans. Yeah. It was the turkey pan call. I remember that. When she was missing turkey pans and then she knew where they were or something. Was yep. that, was that she right? She found them in her cabinet or something right. like that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway... But I had taken some of those calls, and I had made like a remix version of them, of some of the things that she had said, and I kind of put it all, and I wish I could have found that. Because I would have said, you know, enough time has passed that I think that we can kind of make fun of this caller without her calling up and being upset about us doing so. And then I realized she calls the station every day during the day. She calls multiple times during the day. Oh, I can. Oh, we're not on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just remember that she can't hear anything I'm saying. It's so anyway, this lady know. calls up every day, like three times a day, uh, sometimes multiple times in a show, which isn't allowed, and says some of the most racist things. Wow. Says, uh, you know, like, but they're just like they're just borderline enough that we don't have to hang up on her. 
But, you know, you can just tell, like, that she just doesn't like anybody that isn't like her. Mm. And uh, and she's very pro-Trump. And she calls up and she makes all these weird statements. And I say all the time, every time she calls, I'm like, why does that lady's voice sound familiar? And it finally dawned on me when I was thinking about that the other day that maybe I just heard what you said and it made icy air click in yep. my head. But anyway, that's when it dawned on me that I said, oh, that's who that lady is. She calls every day. She's still around. So she probably listens to Spooky South Coast. And for all I know, she downloaded the app. And now she's hearing what I'm saying. I wonder what made her stop calling. Uh, the fact that we're jerks. Oh, okay. That's that probably doesn't say much for me. We were never nasty to no, her. No, we weren't. We've never, been, we've never been mean to a caller. No. Because I would be afraid of what would happen if we were mean to a caller. Like, I'm afraid that a caller would complain to management here, and then management would say, well, why do we let you guys keep coming in if people are going to complain about you? And, you know, we're, we're in a very precarious situation here where, you know. Well, we have challenged guests, like I did with Sonny Cedo and a couple of But challenging others. is okay. So have you. They've right. hung up on you before because you've challenged them. Or Jesus. Um, one time. Jesus didn't hang up, did he? Jesus didn't hang up. He was just not pleased with me. Jesus just got pissy. AKA, I'm going to hell. <laughs> let, let, let's just let's just say it. If if that was the real Jesus, the real Jesus is a dick. <laughs> but I don't think that that was really the real Jesus. So I, I, I think the real so Jesus either. would have been nicer to us. I think I would have I been struck by lightning. I think the real Jesus would have you know come back and spent his life somewhere other than Brooklyn. Well, the thing that bothered me about it Not was this, yeah. that the real Jesus, if he was the real Jesus, Doesn't if, flash if he was the, the second coming of Jesus, why was he creating this? kingdom for himself on earth where he was going to be excluding a whole bunch of people yeah right that doesn't sound very jesus to me very racist if you ask me. speaking of jesus the mm-hmm. the real reincarnated jesus is back oh yes mel has returned okay fairhaven jesus is back there's I photos think that of was him. still a thing yeah it still is uh, apparently he was supposed to arrive on an ark that his friend oh, built okay. i don't know if that actually happened but there it. were photos of him walking with mary magdalene today down the streets of fairhaven so okay so chris balzano actually Gets it's funny because Chris lives in Florida now, and Fairhaven Jesus. There's this guy who walks around Fairhaven dressed as Jesus, crown of thorns, everything. Yeah. And in the winter, he leaves Fairhaven, the town where we do Spooky South Coast, and he spends the winter in the town where Chris Balzano lives in Florida, which is bizarre. So weird. Just this weird coincidence that makes yep. me think that he might actually be the real Jesus. Although he says that he's not. Well, that's good. Right. He says that uh, he he had an encounter uh, when he was in jail, where he faced down the devil, and the devil, you know, put him on the right path. So, well, encountering the devil put him on the right path. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Someday maybe we'll bring Fairhaven Jesus in for a spooky South Coast. So, if anybody wants to call in and share memories tonight, you can do so at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. I'm taking a look in the chat room. Uh, and I, I just noticed that um, I just noticed that Kill All Jews is in the chat room. So, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. He snuck by Nightbot. Well, Nightbot might have to take care of that. Not yeah. that we um, not that we have anything strange yet, but it wouldn't be the first time that we end up with a pranker. Oh, did you hear about my prank call? No. Um, it was Lynn Marie and I. Matt Costa might have to jump in on this because I might not remember completely, but it wasn't our usual prankers. But as as we were on the air taking phone calls for readings, we answered the phone. We said hello. Nobody was there, and the guy yelled something to the effect of "Stop smoking weed, Ellen." And then that was it. So well, that's it was really bizarre. 
Oh, it's not so bad. No, it was just really. I did weird. try to find the. Uh, I did try to find the first prank call that we ever got during the show, <laughs> which was when somebody actually called up and said that they had an EVP that they wanted us to hear. Oh no! Uh, yeah. And and they're like, I caught it in the bathroom of my house, and like we already at this point we're like, all right, let's see where this goes. And so they played this clip that sounded like a fart, and then somebody yelled in the background, "Cause you're in Taco Bell, bitch!" Oh my god. So, do you need me to block this uh, this guy or what? Uh, not yet. All right. Let's just keep all the the kill this one, kill that one stuff out of our chat room completely. Yeah. How does that sound? Yeah, that's a good idea. So, uh, the the last prank call I can remember getting, at least that I got, was the guy who called us up and wanted advice on his taxes. <laughs> oh. He, he heard the commercial that we run during the oh. commercial breaks. For uh, tax relief, with it was Alan Thick. I don't know if he still does the commercials because he died. I don't know if they're still running his commercial, but Alan Thick's dead. Yeah, yeah. Died, died six months ago. So yeah, yeah, died a while December. ago. I had no idea. Yeah. And um, so the guy would call. The guy called up like totally blasted, and he was like, "Oh, that's a bull, the taxes." Oh, I think I remember that. I was like, I, I, I was like, what? What are you? Doing? So I told him he had to call Alan Thick, and then I tweeted Alan Thick and told him to expect the call. But Alan Thick never returned my tweet. Probably because he's dead now, but he wasn't then. Oh, goodness. All right. So I did, just so everybody knows, though, I did queue up uh, the some of the more contentious part of the Commander Sani Sido interview. So we'll probably play that in a little bit, so that'll give us a chance to open up the champagne and, and dish out. We, we're on a podcast, so if you want to eat and drink during the podcast, it's fine tonight. Usually I, yell at, the rules. usually I yell at them for eating during the show. One, speaking of Taco Bell. <laughs> Listen, I can't be blamed for that. I ate as quiet as a mouse. One night they left in at the news break. I did not. Got Taco Bell, came back and just like. <laughs> it's still not as funny as the time when we first started doing the show. Matt Costa and I uh, trained with Evan Russo, the late Evan Russo. If you listen to some of the early Spooky South Coasts, you will uh, hear him being introduced as a co-host because even though he knew that the show was supposed to be Matt and I, when he had the promos made and the promos that I had written, he took Matt's name out of the promos and put his own name in. But he only lasted a couple of weeks. And uh, then he let us be and let us do our own thing. But there was one episode... We had spent a couple of months coming in here and training how to do this stuff because I had been on a sports show, but I was over on that side. And actually, I still was kind of over here for a long time anyway. But So we were training and learning how to do things, and, and the idea was that Evan was going to run the first couple shows for us and then turn it over to us. And one of the things that he repeatedly drilled into our heads is that you don't eat on the air. You don't eat. You don't drink a soda on the air. You know, you don't you don't eat food. Gum. Yeah, no gum, all that kind of stuff. And I think it was the second episode. The dude showed up with Wendy's <laughs> and just sat over here eating Wendy's the whole time during the show. And he was not a quiet eater. And it wasn't like I could, you know, pot things down because he was the one running the board. So yeah. So that was uh that was one of our first um, I probably the first three weeks of the show because Moniz you came on we were probably about a month in yeah yeah and uh, originally you were just going to kind of hang out in the back and and not be on the air and we made you be on the air and now you kind of hang out in the back and aren't on the air (laughs) you just sit there and eventually we get around to asking you a question or having you talk but 
So, but the original plan was you just wanted to stay in the background and kind of just provide us information and give us ideas and hook us up with Introduce guests. Introduce you to people I know and help you get guests, that kind of thing. And uh, instead we made you kind of come up to the microphone. And uh, so a little more comfortable now, yeah. 11 and a half years, 500 episodes later? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Getting it kind of under your belt now? But uh, <laughs> I was listening to some of those old shows earlier and I was like, wow, I sounded terrible. I think we all did. I like I had no personality at all in my voice. Not that I think that I have any now, but like back then I really didn't. And we were like I was trying to be so serious, like uh we have to act like we actually know what we're talking about about ghosts because if uh if we don't, then people are going to know that we're frauds and if they think that we're frauds, then they're not going to listen. So, uh I have to have an answer ready and I have to know everything and then I realized pretty quickly that we were already in over our heads and that that was kind of a stupid approach to take. But then we went out and we got a good friend of the show who turned out to be knowledgeable about everything and uh we made him not only be on the show frequently but become part of the spooky crew and he's joining us now via the Skype airwaves. Chris, you there? I am here, knowledgeable about everything, uh, overly knowledgeable about absolutely nothing. It, it worked out well, though. We were able to fake it for a long time. A long time. A long, you know, I was just, um, uh, my, my co-host on Trivium with Legends was just asking me, um, well, what, what uh, do you remember the first time you were on the show? And I'm like, totally, we sound like the most arrogant... <laughs> self-righteous people like all the stuff that we talked about was really really good but we had uh, we had a lot of fun in the pre-interview and a lot of fun like hanging out when we got on air we got really really serious so i'm glad that you guys found your voice as being like you know taking what you do seriously but not yourselves seriously i think i'd have to argue chris that you might be overly knowledgeable about puck wedgies harry potter <laughs> harry potter okay. and and hansen I am definitely knowledgeable about Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you that at least, and maybe Harry Potter. All right. But uh, I think there are a lot of people doing a lot of really good puck wedgie work out there that have maybe surpassed me. That's that's at least what I've learned in the past ten years for sure. Are those those three <laughs> important things. So. Well, I guess I'll own it then. Yes. I want to. Thank uh, you. I just want to jump in for a second here and uh, and say to our good friend Brad Jost, who has been a, a loyal listener from the beginning. Uh, I just want to say, stop putting milestones. We said no more milestones, Brad. He says he can't wait for Spooky 1000. <laughs> you know, I almost said that, but I didn't want you to be like, no, don't date us. No. Somebody else did say Spooky 666. Ooh. That will be a good one. That We will actually book <laughs> the devil as our guest for that. All right. So. Well, we already had Jesus, so why right. not? Right. We have to have the other side. It's only fair. Keep it balanced. But the the problem with pushing for spooky 1000 is if you think about that it's taking us 11 and a half years to hit 500 and while it wouldn't take that long because now we figured out how to get around the red Sox and all that stuff and, and how to pre-record shows and things like that so it wouldn't take that long to get to spooky a thousand however it would be at least another five years yeah and i just want to say like if in another five years we're doing the show and not getting paid for it for it then there's something wrong with us I might have to it agree was, with you. There was something wrong with us when we started. That's true. <laughs> something more wrong with us. But uh, I will say this. We, we have been talking about the Patreon ideas, and, and if, if we could make, like, like I'd say fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a month in donations, we'll do this show full-time. Okay. All right. All right Does that cool. sound fair? Wait a minute. I'm not getting paid for this? No. Sorry. No, Chris. I, 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 might have, I might have a Freddy Krueger keychain <laughs> left over. <laughs> Actually, I sent you one, so... Yeah, that's what they say. You know, I'm still trying to get the spinal uh, spiral zone CD to work. 
Spiral. Still waiting for a water. Yeah, you you sent me the the first uh, the first two seasons of the cartoon Spiral Zone. Oh right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they were coded. Been trying to figure out how to break that code. It's like the Da Vinci Code or something like that. Well, There's got to be some kind of like spooky South Coast decipher or, or cipher. I've got to figure out to get it. So. Chris, it's 2017. Just go to YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Chris, you'll appreciate this. Speaking of old things on the internet. I was actually watching the debut episode the other day. Don't even ask me how I got on this. The debut episode of Love, Sydney. What? Moniz remembers it. Do you remember, Chris? I don't remember Love, Sydney. Do you remember uh, Tony Randall? Yes. Okay, so he had a sitcom based on a TV movie. He did a TV movie in the late 70s, early 80s called Sydney Shore, A Girl's Best Friend, where he might have been gay. Actually, in the thing of the TV movie, he definitely was gay. Yeah. But then they made a TV series of it in 1980 that didn't last very long, and they always kind of tiptoed around the idea that he could have been gay. And um, so I just happened to be watching it, and I was like, huh, I bet you Balzano's the only other person that would remember their show, but I guess you're not. Well, whereas I support needs. ambiguously gay people on television in the... 70s and 80s, and they, you know, are the, weren't, they, weren't they? I, I gotta say, I do not remember that show at all. Can no. you hum the theme song? Uh, I, I, it was actually, um, it was actually Tony Randall and the other two cast members singing it. Uh, Susie Kurtz was on it. I don't know if you remember Susie Kurtz. She's I do, and so I feel like I should know it. So the, she was, uh, she was on it. No, I'm totally drawing a blank. All right, hold on. I've just been I've just been dining on old episodes of uh, of Mr. Goodbye this week, so I don't know if you can hear this in the background there, but no, I can't hear it, man. All right, well, I don't want to get us I don't want to get us banned for making money off this show on YouTube. Yeah. So let's not play <laughs> copyrighted music because this is going to be a huge moneymaker for us. This one. This is the episode, man, that breaks it open. The uh, the good thing about YouTube is you can find a lot of the old stuff that inspired us to do what we do. And as I was saying, I was digging through uh, some of my discs to find old Spooky South Coast seasons, and I happened to find the uh, the the complete series of In Search of that I stole off the internet a couple of years ago. Oh wow! So I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that none of us would be here. Well, maybe Stephanie because she doesn't watch shows like that. Sorry. But I, it's fair to say probably none of us would be here. Brightman's shaking his head, and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking I've, about. I've never heard that show before. you never heard of In Search Of. It was hosted no. by Leonard Nimoy, and they talked about all different paranormal. Each episode was something different. Mm, like, nope. there might be a ghost episode, but then there might be an Amityville episode, a Bigfoot one. Can't say I have. I obviously know who he is, but I've never heard of the show. Oh, you got to check it out. How have you been involved in the paranormal and not heard of In Search Of? Never heard of it. Just uh, chat, YouTube it. Yeah, chat yeah. room, chat room poll here. You know, if you've heard of in search of, just say that you have. Uh, the the good thing about you know the internet, as I was saying, is you can find these shows. Netflix is starting to carry a lot of this stuff. So you know, the Night Stalker. I know that yeah. Moniz, you know, you and Andy have always talked. Andy Lake have always talked about how much that was an influence. Yeah. So cool you can chat. actually see some of these things that inspired us, and and you know maybe someday there might be somebody out there. Who was like, remember when we used to watch Spooky South Coast on YouTube every week? Remember how that got us into the paranormal? And that's what they'll be talking about when they're in, in the mental institution. Having that discussion over mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and lithium. 
I want to say, you know, I think that I think that you guys will be surprised at how many people out there actually, uh, if not, um, were kind of inspired to get into this because of you guys. But a lot of people who I think sharpen their teeth um, on listening to you guys. You know, they were uh, big fans of the the TV shows that were coming up. They started getting into this. They found a local place. They keyworded something. Maybe they found the podcast, but. but especially people in that area, having talked to people and being like an outsider, I can totally tell you, I think that you guys, I think there are people who are like, yeah, man, I learned how to do this on Spooky South Coast, or I, uh, I, I was inspired to do this by Spooky South Coast, so I think that exists. I don't think we have to wait, even though I consider myself an old man now, I don't think we have to wait till we're great to hear that. Well, what's funny is, you know, when we started doing this show, there wasn't a lot of paranormal radio shows. I mean, there, no. was, there was Coast to Coast AM, which was, you know, just coming out of... It was 2006 that we started, January 2006. So they were a couple years into the George Norrie era, you know, coming out of Art Bell. Art was still there on the weekends, but they were just coming out of Art Bell being there every night. So there was still a lot of... I don't know how much... I'd have to ask Art this, but I don't know how much influence he had on the programming then, but there were still a lot of paranormal themes on that show on a nightly basis. Far less now, but there was a lot more then. And then there was... I know that Ron Kolick was already doing his show on a station. Uh, there was maybe... Of course, a, he had Hilly Rose was doing it. Yep. Yeah, Hilly was doing his show. There was maybe... Uh, Don Necker from Doc, Dark Matter. There was like a handful of like I podcasts. You know, Ghostly Talk was out. Uh, a couple of weeks before we started, Darkness Radio started. A couple of weeks before us. So there was, you know... You could probably count on two hands the number of paranormal yeah, film shows there were. That's been around. Nightwatch. Nightwatch was That's around the same Doc, time. Darkness Radio has been around that long. Yeah. Yep. They started three weeks before we did. Wow. They started the first. I think it was. I think it was January first, but they started the very beginning of January, two thousand six. Wow. So I always, I always tease Tim Dennis and say, you know, we weren't already working in radio like you guys, where you could just show up. We had to come in in months. So we actually started first. But we just didn't get on the air first. And that's when I was in high school listening to you guys on the weekends. <laughs> you and, must have been lame in high school I to listen to us on a Saturday lame. night. Now, you think met me? now all these years later you ended up here. I know. It's really strange. I never, ever, ever thought in a million years but that I would be here. Back then, you could you could say if you were a paranormal researcher, paranormal investigator, somebody who wanted to... I think we just lost Chris. Yep. You can call back. Um, you know, we would have thought that... You, you you would have time to absorb all of the paranormal stuff that was out there. Right. You know, you were basically just watching Ghost Hunters on TV, because that was really yeah. the only show. You could listen to the five or six shows that were available via podcast. You would have to listen to Coast to Coast Live, because they weren't podcasting yet. But you could definitely get into all week long. You could fill yourself up with what you needed, because there was so little content out there to have to digest. And I think Chris just tried calling in and I'll try him again. There was time for it. Now it's ridiculous. Now you could never actually pull it off because there's just so much stuff out there and hours and hours and hours daily, not even weekly, but just hours and hours daily. And, and Chris, we were saying that, you know, back in, in the days of 2006, and you were somebody that did this, you could actually digest all that paranormal content that was out there because there was only a limited amount of it per week. Yeah, and you know, 
I'm maybe in a unique position because before I came on your guys' show, I mean, I had done, I was already doing that circuit, you know, and so it was, you know, one or two really strong blog talk radio shows, and then like <laughs> dozens of ones that weren't really uh, strong at all. Uh, mm-hmm. People who would literally be interviewing you, reading off your your website, like back to you, like you know, almost kind of like uh, a paranormal Chris Farley show. Like they would read a paragraph off your website and be like, they still is, that, that. "Is that true?" <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time you caught that EVP? That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, so I remember when I went in the first time, I was like, wow, like, these guys really know their stuff. Like, we weren't, you know, you guys were keeping me on my toes. I was trying to keep up with you. I think Moniz and I had some amazing conversations on air, but especially even off air. Yeah. I was like, wow, these guys really know what they're doing. I I would have had no idea that you guys were new at it um, or that you guys were not experienced in the field because based on a lot of those blog talk and a lot of those, like, ones that were popping up that I was on, you guys were really well prepared, and you guys really knew what you were talking about, and you had ideas to come back with. Well, I mean, to be fair, we weren't we weren't necessarily new to the subject matter. I mean, Mo, I mean, Dragon Moniz, and he'd already been involved twenty five years at that point. But we were coming at it from the point of you know we'd always been reading about it and researching about it and watching documentaries, watching television shows. So we had the knowledge base. We just didn't have the experience. It's. it's I was going to say that. I think that's what it was. Scary. Was that. You know, a lot of those were, <clears throat> we're paranormal investigators first, and so we've started a show where these guys, you guys were more of, we are enthusiasts who want to know a lot more information. Yeah. At least that was kind of like where you guys were, and of course, you know, you guys changed that dramatically over the first first two years you guys were on. But there, there was a lot of uh, fear on our part of whether or not we could get away with the knowledge that we had. I mean, we, we were a little bit concerned coming into this, like how quickly are we going to get in over our heads with some of these topics? And I think it was it was probably the Bridgewater Triangle episode, the first Bridgewater Triangle episode, where we said to ourselves... What are we doing? No, no. It, and, and when I say that, it wasn't even in the investigation show. It was like the first time we were ever just talking about it. Oh. Um, uh, who, who do we have for that one? I know we had Chris Pittman on, and you came in the week after, Chris, right, for the first time? Yeah. So I think it was just Aaron and Aaron Kadju and Chris Pittman, I think, were who we had in here talking about that. And I think that was the episode where we realized, wait, it's better if we don't know what we're talking about. It's actually better if we are coming at this the way that somebody in the audience would where, you know, what do we need to learn? Tell us what we need to know about this instead of having it be a show where we just come in and talk about, well, here's what we know and do you agree with us? I think you might. Did you have Derek on that episode too? I think, no, I think he was on the episode before that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I was about to say, like, that probably really ended up becoming um, the best bet for you guys because you guys let the guests talk, you know what I'm saying? And yours was, like I said, I mean, I love that phrase, an avatar for the audience. You were, um, you guys allowed guests to speak, and I think a lot of a lot of guests really respected that because they weren't being shot. Like, I was listening to a paranormal show last night, which will go unnamed, and it literally seemed like, well, first of all, I know he probably was reading questions off of something, but the questions, there was no follow-up. There was no continuality. There was no back and forth. There was no engagement. The one thing I can always say is that you guys let the guests speak, and then you have a follow-up, or you lead them someplace, or you ask them a question or a, cl- or a clarification, and it's very obvious that you guys are listening to what the guest is saying, but also that like you're um, 
you're looking to not challenge them as in like they're not saying the right thing, but challenge them as in like, wait a minute, let's get into kind of like a discussion about this rather than just me asking you the seven, the same seven questions I ask everybody. Uh, I'm sorry, Chris. What did you say? I wasn't listening. <laughs> 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 no, I mean that. That's one of the things that bothers me more than anything is as somebody who had you know and, and I used to listen. Believe me, Matt Costa can vouch for this. We used to work together during the day, <laughs> and I probably drove him crazy with how much paranormal stuff I was listening to, just to try to listen to other shows. And I'm like, I, I I like what they do here, but I don't like this, and I like this, and I like this. Let's try and incorporate some of that. Let's do something like that, you know. Like so, I was, and I would always listen to this show too, because that was the big thing. Is when it was done, we would have to say. Let's go back and listen and see where we can get better. And that's how I taught myself not to say ah and um so much. I probably still do, but not as much as I used to. And that is kind of where I picked up that kind of stuff. But I was just starved for that kind of content. And I realized pretty quickly, like, you can't just keep doing that because as some of that bad stuff that was out there started seeping in, you can pick up other people's bad habits pretty easily. Well, and also I think that if you're an audience member, um, that if you if you're hearing uh, if you're hearing um, a, a guest on one t- radio show, if you're hearing Lauren Coleman and he's on Coast to Coast, and all you're doing is redo is redoing what they do, well, why listen to you guys? I can listen to Coast to Coast, or I can listen to another station, or I can listen to this. And so, by the mere fact that you weren't doing what other radio shows were necessarily doing, like I wanted to hear. Before I ever got involved with like working with you guys, I wanted to hear the spooky South Coast take on a on Brad Steiger. I wanted to know like how you guys would interview a specific person or what you guys would get out of them. I do think though that uh, we did as much as we were trying to learn as we were going along. I think that we did have a different. There was a lot more of a wild-eyed wonder, I think, to what we were doing then. Where we were willing, and uh, you and I have talked about this, Chris, over the years of saying, like, we need to kind of get back to that. But we were willing to go down any rabbit hole back then. We were willing to put any topic on. And at some point, I think we got a little bit snobby and said, no, 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 we're better than that. No, we're better than this guest. Like, no, you know, and and I I feel like we've actually been doing ourselves and the audience a disservice by not keeping our minds more open to some of these weirder things that we could be doing and and when you came on board you started bringing a lot more of that back into it sometimes we get away from it but i think at the heart of this it's uh, this show exists because people out there have some weird shit to say and they need a place where they can say it where somebody's not going to be judgmental jesus is a really good uh, example of that as i was like and the a few weeks ago with the with the doctor um it was Okay, this dude, you know, like our general rule is if someone approaches us, chances are they're not good enough to be on the show. Like that snootiness you were talking about. And here, those are two people who I was like, I don't know. And you're like, no way, get them on. Yes, get you. He's Jesus, get him on the show. We did fight a lot about Jesus. Yes, we did. We fought a lot about Jesus, and I'm still not sure all these months later exactly which one of us was right. The jury's still out. But it's still it, it. The important thing is, it made for an entertaining episode of radio. It was must hear radio, <laughs> and that's you know thank thank God that I spent a week with John Tenney, and he could get me to start listening to some podcasts again, and he got me going on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. I don't know if you've heard his super amazing colossal podcast, whatever it is. 
So this is basically just Gilbert and his co-host talking about old Hollywood with old Hollywood people and getting these stories out and, and, and just documenting them and, and, and giving these people a chance to tell a story when they don't have a place to tell them anywhere else. And I said, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, well, what's funny about this is that we're in a unique position of we're on a real terrestrial radio station, but we can basically run a podcast on the radio, which is what we do, more or less, where we can say, like, we can go anywhere we want with it, and nobody's kind of looking over our shoulder and telling us, uh, yeah, no, don't do that. And nobody in the audience is ever judging and saying, yeah, we're not willing to go down that path with you. So, like, we need to really take more of an advantage of the position that we're in to be able to say, people trust us enough to tune in and listen, no matter how crazy it might get. And sometimes they know that it's just for fun. I mean, at the very least, if you don't agree with somebody, if you don't learn something from from hearing somebody, at least you're going to be entertained for a couple hours. I'm, I'm Did ta- we lose him? No, he's there. Oh, no, I was just letting other people talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that, you know, I think that the, the audience would follow us. Like, I don't think that... I don't think there's an episode of Spooky South Coast where if we posted it and in the description it said who we were talking to, what the subject matter was, that a fan of Spooky South Coast would go... Nope, 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 nope. That's that's jumping the shark, or even that's nope. That's my line. That's, <laughs> nope, I'm not going to listen to that episode. So we, we jump the shark in week the five. <laughs> so the, the the shark is always right there. We, we're always <laughs> jumping over it. So it, it's that's not going to be anything that happens to us. Well, I think what we should do is we should probably uh, take a, a break for a couple minutes because we want to be able to cut this into two parts, right, Matt, for video purposes. And it doesn't matter. We can keep going straight. All right, I'll just keep going straight then. I think the recording in the other room will work, too. So, But I will give you guys a couple of minutes. I want everybody to kind of think back, and I want you to think about what episode that you were here and involved in. I know that not everybody's been there for every episode, uh, but think about what episode that you were involved in that was a moment where you can say, I'm glad I got to be a part of that. And we will ask the audience as well if they have an episode where they can say, Gee, you know, that was a really great episode. That's one that will always stick out in my mind. And you can post it in the chat room, or you can call in 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. The phone lines are working, even though we're on YouTube only, so you can call in and share. Even if you just want to call and be like, hey, remember that episode? And, you know, hopefully we remember it. Or, hey, this is my favorite uh, co-host. You, right. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to call in and vote for a particular co-host that is your favorite, we we can do that too. But so while I'm giving you guys a couple of minutes to think about that, I'm going to play uh, just a. This is by request. This is one of our loyal listeners. I actually asked us if we would run some of the audio from the Commander Sani Sito yeah. interview. <laughs> now, for those who are not familiar with this episode, this is back in 2010. It was uh, July 10th, 2010. So we are a little bit, you know, uh, July 10th, so what, 6th, so we're, we're just about a week past the anniversary date of the Roswell crash. And I had happened to catch an interview somewhere with Commander Sani Sito, who was, she's a woman who claims to be the reincarnated Roswell alien. The alien that crashed in the ship at Roswell in 1947, reincarnated. And living amongst us today. I think she's still with us. 
She sounded rough in the episode, so she might not be. But this was 2007, uh, 2010 that she was a guest on the show. And this is one of those ones, Chris, where there was a lot of fighting as to whether or not we should have this person on the show. Because yeah, like yeah, she, I agree. She's batshit crazy. I mean, and that we <laughs> we kind of knew that just by what she was claiming. But this is when it really started to come through. Where we said, "Listen, you know, our job is just to let somebody tell their story." And so we decided to have her on. So we're gonna we're gonna play that. And uh, Chris, I'm just gonna ask if you can mute your microphone for a few moments while I play that. Yep, will do. All right, here we go. Commander Sani Sito from July of 2010. Things getting testy between her and Matt Moniz. Baby, a loaded gun. A baby does not know the effects of what that gun will do. Or giving a little baby a, a bomb or something. That little baby has no idea what it's I'll doing. I'll leave the microphones up if you want to do some mystery science theater 3000 But it could have major consequences for not only your Earth, but other planets beyond. And that is why we came. Is this something that your planet had gone through in the past? Our planet was nuked before, or the reptoids came and destroyed our world. So, is, I mean, is... Had to live under biodomes, which is glass bubble city. Because our atmosphere and our planet was destroyed and damaged. There were more of them than there was of us, and we could not fight them off. Now, the silence is just because I don't so know where to you, go with these questions. But your, your crew came here to kind of keep an eye on what we were doing. What exactly happened then that would cause the crash? Um, because uh, all the years, hopefully, you know, all the years and the advancements that you had, um, there hadn't been a lot of crashes before that, we, that at least humans knew about. So what was it that caused this particular crash? Your people were experimenting with their radar. That was being... Tested in Ohio, out of Dayton. The technology was shared with the bases in New Mexico and some other states, and they were all working and coordinating this as a group effort to test this new radar system, and that combined with a lightning storm, a thunderstorm, that was created by the usage of chemtrails is what led to the accident occurring because it knocked out the force fields and the propulsion and everything else due to the interaction of all three of these things. And that's, you, your ship used a propulsion system that, you know, some sort of silent system that we wouldn't have been able to hear or anything like that otherwise? That is correct. You know, I don't suppose you could What is your fuel, what this is where it gets your fuel system? It was a ball. A, ball. a little ball. A ball? And what forces would you... A ball use? of putty-like substance is not found in your solar system. Okay, what substance is it? I happen to be an analytical chemist for... Element 114. Don't you mean element 115? No, there was an element 114 that was derived from 115. It would be a degradative product, but yes, how would you use it? It was used to power the craft. In which way? To create an energy source. In what manner? Using what manner of physics? It was like a gas. It was like a gas. 
Okay. Uh, 114 would be a gas. 115 would be an actual solid because it would form a complete shell. All the electrons would be filled in. It would in create it. tremendous heat. It also would be unstable. It only lasts microseconds. And, and if it's wet, if this putty gets wet, it's hardly explosive. Uh, you wouldn't be able to get it to be wet in a gaseous state, but that's not, you know, important. If it was outside of the of the container that it was in and it got wet, it could be explosive. If it got outside of its container in any form, it would be explosive. <laughs> yes. And, but we're, we're applying... Somewhat of earthly knowledge to uh, try to save the interview here. They've come up with ways to do things that we don't know. You know? Well, matter is matter across the universe, but maybe they're able to handle it in a different way than we are. Well, it would, it would involve a series of electromagnetic shells to keep it in the containment field. Whatever, Which, whatever, well, let's not whatever involve, it is. Let's not involve science. In Coma- this Commander Science. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to give him a system to power his Mercedes with it. No, oh, they don't deserve that technology because you'd use it for war. Well, I, I can guarantee that at least Matt Moniz would. Death, destruction, and mayhem. That's that's <laughs> that's kind of his thing. But uh, so you, the, all these different factors kind of pulled into the the crash happening, and took my eyes and my attention off of the force field monitors that I was supposed to be watching because one of the crew members called to my attention to something on their screen. So I turned around, and when I took my eyes off of my control so council, here in a second, that's so when the first field went down. Now, I know a number of people that were involved in the recovery of the craft, your craft, when it crashed. And I know like I the said, exact craft. and true number of bodies that were recovered. Okay? That has not been actually published. How many of your crew members it was were there? five of us. Okay, if that's what you say. Well, if you're pointing out stuff to try to think I'm a fake, well, I just don't continue anymore. Well, also, though, I mean... I don't like skeptics, and I will not deal with them. Oh, Matt Moniz is not a skeptic. That is definitely not the case. Uh, I think he's trying to get the balance of what we know with the balance of what you know and try and find out. Because I've I have gone public with this. I've had nothing but ridicule and debasement, and I'm damn tired of oh, it. Oh, no, we're not ridiculing you. We That's not, our, as I explained to you uh, prior on the phone to when we went on, our job here is just to allow you to tell your story. Uh, we're not... We used to tell a story when the people, all they'll do is just sit and laugh. What? You know, they haven't lived my life. We're not laughing at all. We would never do that. Except now, yeah. No, our, our, as I explained to you, our, what we do. We waited seven years to laugh. Come on, tell your story. Listeners can listen to what you have uh, to present to them, and then they go back and they make the decisions about whether or not they want to believe you. We're not. We wouldn't suggest that you were in any way making this up. That's not our job. Uh, Our job is to allow you to tell the story, and if questions pop up where the information that Matt has. Uh, as being a, a ufologist for over 20 years and researching this case, he also just wants to... the editor for Fate magazine. Uh, he just wants to throw what in... What is that? He's the editor of Fate? I am the UFO editor for Fate magazine. That, no, I, I, I wasn't yeah, way back then. I've read your magazine. It's wonderful. 
And we actually broadcast on Fate Radio as well on, on their website, too. Wow, so. that is old. Fate Magazine is excellent. I've read that for a long, long time. Pretty much since you got here. It started in 1948. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah, we, we kind of have you to thank for it, because that was the story that helped kick off Fate Magazine. So Actually, it was Kenneth Arnold's. And if it wasn't because of my crash happening, you would not Absolutely. have the advancements that you have currently today. Like your internet, you wouldn't have your space shuttle, you wouldn't have none of your modern stuff you have right now. Well, After well. the accident happened, their technology leaped and bounded overnight. Well, let me say thank you for that then, because I love the technology that we have, and uh, I, I couldn't live without it, so thank you for that, and I'm sorry that we kind of took it and bastardized it the way that we have. I love technology, too. So... The right. crash occurred, do, and and do we need the ship we need more of this? No, uh, it's outside of Roswell, it was and painful. The ship, I want to make it correct. Make oh, it oh, the ship was not no dish. It was okay. not no dish. <laughs> the ship was a uh, delta wave, similar in appearance to um, your modern space shuttle or one of your stealth fighters. But it more, looked more like it was a wing, a delta wing, sort of like arrowhead shape. That part it is It was not hard. no saucer. Well, you know, she subscribed to Fate, so she saw the artist rendering. A okay. saucer did go down in 1948. That was a 100-foot in diameter, but it was not... So anyway, long story short... Make it stop. If she actually is the reincarnated Roswell alien, we're screwed for just having made fun of her. Because oh, no, we're all going to get sure. abducted tonight. But I <laughs> I elect Moniz to go first. <laughs> so that is one of the classic... And Chris, you can you can bring yourself what, back up now, Chris. Favorite episode? Huh? No, no. No. That you, oh, being you, abducted. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. I, I did not make fun. I just said make so it So that was probably the only time, I would say, in all these years, 500 episodes, where we considered ending the interview. Like, like we really would just were like, at some point, this has to stop, because it's just ridiculous. And the legend is that she hung up on us. But I went through that whole episode earlier, like trying to find the point where she did, and I couldn't find it. So I don't know if I edited. I think she went silent on us. I don't know if I edited that part out. Could have. I could have sworn she called. Had to call back. Or she did from her planet. No, oh, maybe they have that kind of technology. Right. If they can get gases wet, Monies, they can do anything. <laughs> well, a gas is a gas. It's in a right. gaseous state. It's not. But anybody who knows I mean, how to. You can get water into don't, the. Don't put your Earth physics onto this. Okay. Anybody that understands how a gas is formed knows that it comes from a liquid. <laughs> so if it, you're going to get it no, wet. No, it can come from, from, from composed solids. Right, Sublimation. Right. Correct. I'll always remember that. Because I, I made a comic character when I was younger called the Sublimator. Oh, my God. You could turn you from did. solid into a gas. Very good, too. But you understood you. where I was going with this. Yes, I did. So, oh, well, that was rough. Oh, my God. I hope this is real. What? I hope this chat room person is real. Which one? I hope that is the real J.C. Webster III. Okay. Because J.C. Webster III is a friend of mine on Facebook, and I've been trying to get him to get involved in the show, and he has not. Are you, You're not familiar. You don't know who I'm talking about. I think, oh, Chris, you Chris you're there. I know, Chris, you know J.C. Webster III. You, unmute your mic. 
Right. You're gonna. Yeah, you're totally gonna have to remind me about that. JC, <laughs> from the guy who calls into Coast to Coast. Oh, Jay! I just never knew he had a last name. Oh yeah, no, JC Webster the third. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that's legit, and that's not just somebody coming up with a clever chat room name. But anyway, uh, oh, we had a call and it dropped off. I was just going to go to it. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. If you want to call in and share some of your favorite memories, uh, if you have, maybe there's a favorite episode, a favorite guest that you want to talk about, uh, you can certainly do that. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. Now, you want favorite episode? I do. You want to start off? Yeah. The favorite episode I had was the guy creating the um, the video game, and when we had uh, the Wampanoags on, and oh, we was, broke it was, into pieces. It was a board game. Yeah. Yeah, board game. That was that was uh, that was when we realized that this show might actually be able to do some good in the world. Well, that's what I was proud of. We were able to put people together that. You know, wouldn't normally have talked. So just to set that up for people, um, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, <coughs> but it was a few years ago, and it's right around our Bridgewater Triangle show. It, yeah, it was a while ago, but there was a, a a board game company. You know those board games that they have, like um, like Warhammer, and where it, it's kind of like role play stuff, but like strategy stuff and. You know, these, they're these big, complex board games. And so this company that makes one was making one based on King Philip's War. And there was a Native American organization out of Rhode Island that was uh, protesting them appropriating King Philip's War for a board game. And so we actually asked if we could get both sides on to talk about it. We had the board game company representative on, and we had the head of the protest group on. And originally, the head of the protest group did not want to take part. Yeah. Originally, that person was like, uh, nope, I don't want anything to do with this, and we, we coaxed her into coming on. And so we ended up having a whole discussion over the show about it, and the board game operator had a better understanding of why the natives were upset. The natives had a better understanding of what the board game operators were trying to do, and in the end, they ended up working together. And we connected them with each other off the, off of the air, and they were actually the board game company was utilizing the Native Americans for the research to help make the game more authentic and to make it be less of a, a, a whitewash, so to speak, and to have it be you know, more legitimate to their concerns. So I don't know what ended up happening with the game. I was supposed to get a copy of it sent to us, and we never got it. But So I'm wondering if maybe they just decided not to go forward with it. But we were able to kind of put those pieces together and to get them together when they weren't getting along. So, yeah, that, that was a good one. Uh, somebody keeps mentioning in the chat room that one of their favorite episodes is Crystal Skulls when we had Nicole on with her Crystal Skulls. That was my first time ever being near Crystal Skulls. I, I got a little weirded out that they were staring at me. You had them in the studio? Oh, yeah. She brought them all in. Really? She had them all laid out. Yep. She sat right over there, laid them all out, so they were staring right at me the whole time. And uh, and it, you could definitely feel Now, Moniz, I know you've had the chance. You've been around the Star Child Skull, right? been around the star child skull and i've actually uh i'll have to go digging for the picture of it but i have a picture of me and the crystal skull synergy Mm -hmm. when i when i was down in florida i had a chance to uh hang out with the owner of synergy so you can you can verify that these things have that energy around them The, the star child skull is just creepy in and of itself because it's you know it's just this weirdly formed skull but the this the uh crystal skull synergy when you're looking into its eyes it you can see 
depth in it. And I'm not just talking the depth of the mm. crystal. It is like it's really, really, really eerie, especially when you touch the thing. And Stephanie, you've been around some. Yeah. I mean, you've I been have. around just regular crystals too that you've well, said have I awesome own crystal power. skulls myself. I have regular crystals, so. And you have not told me this. I, I have never think- seen one at all in my own in my life, like up. I was going to say, I probably well, have one in my purse right now. There's, but there's there's a difference between like some of the modern crystal skulls and what are some of the ones that are the, the ancient, you know, the ancient yeah. ones where they're like, well, the, you know, these these were fashioned yeah. before we had the tools to be able to do yeah, them. Yeah, so the, the only person in general that's ever been around an ancient one that I know about would be Moniz. Yeah. I'm just going to flip some switches yeah. here. So just that's so the one that's called so Synergy. Everybody right. knows we're now on the air, so... Try, so and, try and behave yourself because oh, we're actually okay. on the radio now celebrating Spooky All South right. Coast 500. So that means crack open the champagne? Yeah, let's let's crack it open now now that we're on the air. Matt, I just switched to program. That doesn't mess you up at all, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, let I me just I make sure I put everything in into program. And put that there. All right. I think, I think we're good. I think I got everything set up the way it needs to be. Uh, so one of the what – what are you digging out? I was trying to look for a crystal skull. Oh, you have one on you? I usually do. Oh, okay. I don't know if I do. Well, while she's doing that, uh, I will ask John Brightman, you must have a favorite episode that you've been on. There must have been a time that you were here that you actually enjoyed yourself. This, At least one. Yeah, there's, there's been plenty um, that I've enjoyed being here on. I think more than any, it's always... I mean, with the exception of last year, because I unfortunately had to miss it, it's actually going out and doing the Bridgewater Triangle mm-hmm. show, being out in the field doing it. Because I can remember one year, I was on Copacut Road, and I think it was Moniz that called in, and over on the other side of Freetown, I think you were over at the... Um, the ledge? The, no. No, um, not the ledge. The um, uh, Profile yeah, Rock. Rock. Yeah. You were at Profile Rock, and you were saying who you were with were reporting UFO Both. sightings over my way where I was on, on Copacut. Copacut. yeah. And it was just crazy because we looked up, and we could see something circling, but couldn't really make it out too clear. So it's just, I, I think those shows were really the fun one for me, is being out in the field with everybody, being able to call in and hear all the different things of what's going on. We uh, we do have uh, a vote in the chat room for I, I think this is a vote for a favorite episode either either that or it's a criticism of what we've been doing so far tonight paranormal poop I don't know if anybody remembers the paranormal poop remember when we went out to Profile Rock for the first time ever oh yeah and there was we we took photos of it there was just it was on top of the rock yeah on the very top yeah. of Profile Rock if you're facing oh I guess it would be north I think if you're facing north there's like this one little outcropping below the very top. Mm-hmm. And it's small. I mean, it's it's there's a person would have trouble standing there, and we just happen to look down, and there is literally a giant dump <laughs> that somebody took there. And we're like, well, it couldn't have been somebody's dog because I don't think you're getting your dog all the way up. A dog that would take one that size yeah. is yeah. not getting up to the top of Profile Rock, and it would be hard for a person to do it because a person can't really stand and mm-hmm. do it in that particular spot. And then it would have to maybe stand on the top and then drop it, but then it would have splattered. So it was just very strange. We couldn't figure out exactly how it had happened. But we, we did take the picture. And we did spend an awful lot of time trying to figure out how it happened, which <laughs> <Yeah>. probably <laughs> says something about us. But yeah, that was uh that was very that was very disturbing. The paranormal poop. Oh that's Welcome back to the Sunoco post game oh. show, the Sunoco Free Fuel five thousand. Oh hey. Oh I guess it just went blank there because 
Oh, I got to keep that up. Eleven to three victory over the. I'm just I'm 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 just gonna cut the post game show at this point. We'll get in trouble if we get in trouble. Fine, whatever. Nobody's listening to the post game show now that we've started Spooky South Coast. I turned your mic so, down while you were looking through your crystal skull, and then you were looking at me like, "Why wasn't I saying anything?" No, I wasn't. I was just looking at you because we were talking about poop, and yeah, I no, thought you would. That um, think we were that comment close. was not referring to that, but it made me think of it. Okay, so that's all that matters. No, those have been fresh comments in the chat room all night. Well. I think I actually think the person that keeps making those uh, is somebody that we know, and it's just. Well, they should probably let us know before I end up blocking them. Yeah, don't get blocked in the chat room on the 500th episode. Come on, don't be, nice. be lame. Be supportive. Uh, Chris, do you have a favorite episode? I know that you've been uh, you've been involved in quite a few, but I'm sure uh, you know as a, as a guest. But I'm sure that you know you have some favorites just being involved as a as a listener or as a co-host. Um, I'm kind of going to go with Brightman on this in terms of like being out in the field. Um, well, probably the the episode I was most proudest of, um, at least in my top five, because <laughs> I've got a lot that I love, um, would be the Dover Demon episode. Ah. That was a good one, yeah. And it was like the perfect combination of everything because we had um, we had Coleman on the phone, we had Jeff and I in studio. I'm pretty sure that's the first time. He um, he played the interview that he had gotten, which is now kind of famous that you know people have heard the follow-up interview 20 years later, whatever. Um, we had Moniz and we with Horrigan or yeah. Andy Lake up there? Yeah, Horrigan. Um, and it just seemed like it was a perfect combination of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, out in the field reporting, people who were knowledgeable about it talking, the original reporter, Coleman, talking about it. There was a discussion about what it could be, its impact of it. It was just kind of like the, every, all the perfect elements of a spooky South Coast show. And what was interesting about that is that's actually what got us kind of in good with Lauren Coleman because he doesn't really do a lot of radio interviews anymore. And he, he kind of, you know, handpicks who he wants to actually discuss things with. You know, he just did a great episode with, with our pal Tim Banal, but he's very selective about his appearances and... That was kind of the episode that won him over. That from then on, you know, he was part of the the Spooky South Coast family. Yeah, and it wasn't a fly by night kind of episode. We had done research ahead of time. We had prepped it. We had talked a little bit about the order that we wanted the episode to go in. And so I think that really impressed, and that we're willing to put that much effort and that much insight into what we're doing. Is there? I mean, we talked last week, of course, we had uh, the whole tribute episode to our Gary Patterson, so, you know, people know how we feel about, about those episodes. Is there any episode where you thought that we had gone into, was there any, was there any time when you said, oh, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have booked that guest if I was in charge? I would not have had that person come on. Um, I would say no. I mean, there have been guests that have been like, not interested necessarily in the topic matter or where they were coming from from paranormal but i always kind of take it as like what is the audience going to think about this not me and so i'm always like more concerned with is it challenging to them is it um is it something that they're going to get um even to me being a little bit aggravated about an episode is just as good as being excited about an episode because it makes people think about things so i don't think there's ever been a um maybe what was it the the Pawtucket um, Paranormal Group. Oh, right, yeah. No, I, I mean, I hate to talk bad about anybody, no, but I, I felt know. more of like, 
why are they on when it could be someone else? But I, I think that, you know... They were on because they had investigated the Millicent Library. They were the only group that had had unfettered access to investigate the Millicent Library in Fairhaven. Yeah, and that was probably like the 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 mo the and that wasn't even that much, but it was more of like I was confused as to why them as opposed to other groups would have been on it. But I don't even think I was working with the show back then when they were on. Yeah, that was um, and and I don't I have to say the word, but uh, Mark is commenting in the chat room about uh, you know no more Amityville shows like that it's been done to death. We that's one thing that I've always pr- prided us on is that we found different ways to take the Amityville story. So we've never just come in and been like, let's talk about Amityville. Like, we always had guests on that were close to the story or involved in the story, and we always took it into different and unique angles. Talking to Ryan Kastenbach about all the research he did in his documentaries on the DeFeos, having Jackie Barrett on, her one-on-one close personal relationship with Ronnie DeFeo. We had Chris Lutz on to talk about growing up in the house, well, living in the house for a month. So, you know, we had we had uh, Laura DiDio who, DiDio, who was the journalist who covered the story back when it first happened. So, you know, we've always tried to make sure it isn't just let's talk about Amityville. It's always been, you know, some different perspective. But getting back to the Providence, uh, the Pawtucket Paranormal Group there, again, not to disparage anybody, but that was the episode when we decided no more paranormal groups on the show. Like, no more just, like, let's interview this paranormal group. We we have had paranormal groups and investigators on if they have something to add to the discussion, but not if it's just like, so tell us about some of the cases that you've done. Because we realize that they're all starting to sound the same. And it's no offense toward anybody out there doing the work, but it's just to the listener, you know, you playing an EVP of Get Out, while it's profound to you, the person listening to the Paranormal Radio Show has heard 10 other people get that same EVP somewhere else. So that's... I always feel like I have to apologize to paranormal groups for not having them on anymore, but that's the reason why. Because it's just, it's not interesting for the listener. Oh, and then not to mention, I mean, how many blog talk radio shows are out there that that's what they do, is bring on every paranormal group. And that's not a bad thing, that's fine, but why do the same thing as everybody else? Right, and there's a reason why they're on blog talk radio and not on Real radio. Exactly. Not to get elitist on everybody, because <laughs> we totally just... Yeah, and I, you know, I want to clarify, I wasn't backwards. attacking necessarily that group. It right. was more of like, why these guys more than anyone else? And that's, like you said, that's when you guys decided not to have another paranormal group on. I just won't, I don't want people to think I didn't think they were intelligent <laughs> or, or what they were doing wasn't interesting. It was more of like, why them and not 27 other ones? And so that's why we couldn't really make that distinction, so we stopped having just the one if there was 26 others that were getting overlooked. That and having done one, we had the 27 million others trying to get on, and it right. was like, yeah. I, I, I remember when paranormal groups were calling my house yeah. at like 1230 at night on a Friday night to tell me about what they just had encountered. Mm. I'm like, I'm all set with this, and now my number is unlisted. So, but that, I mean, but it happened. There's another episode that I thought that was pretty good. Remember our superheroes episode? We had the real-life superheroes actually come into the studio. I was just talking about this recently because the movement has kind of faded over the last couple of years, but uh, probably about five or six years ago, there was this big movement of people who were going around in cities dressed as superheroes and actually going out there and going on patrol. And we had two of the local superheroes come in here. It was Civitron, who patrolled New Bedford, and Mr. Basilisk, who patrolled Taunton. So we had them in the studio sharing with us about the, the real-life superhero movement. So that was that was pretty pretty fun. Stephanie, I'm going to ask you, 
you've been on the show uh, like four years now. Yep. So you've been here for plenty. I have. And I assume that you have a favorite, and I think I probably know which one it is. I don't want to be so cliche and, and use that one. So obviously I think probably my my top interview was James Van Prague, mm-hmm. obviously, because uh, he's amazing. I've been a fan forever, and anybody that knows him knows how much he's put himself out there. Um, so that was a pretty cool interview. And Bob Olson was another really cool interview because I got kind of into the true crime and psychology aspect of mediumship and psychic phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked the Bridgewater Triangle episodes. I think I liked the episode where you, John, and I discussed the triangle and the theories behind it. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. What else? But it's, it's okay if James Van Prague's your favorite interview. I think Can so. Can I interrupt on that? Because I was not with you guys during that. And I remember very specifically hearing that, um, and I was working out, so, you know, maybe I'm lying because I don't work out, but I remember <laughs> I was working out, and I was listening to that episode, and I was like, wow, I have heard, like I was saying before, I have heard this guy on countless paranormal radio shows or other radio shows or on television with this person that, I'm like, I, he right now is listening to everything that they say. And he is responding with things that I have never heard him say on other interviews. I agree with that. And I was so proud of you guys when I heard that episode. I really enjoyed how candid he got with us and just how open he was to answering anything that we threw his way. So, I mean, I've been in his presence personally. I've studied under him. And to hear him just talk so candidly with us was just an amazing experience for me. I'm going to have to think about other ones. Other interviews that I... I mean, that's one that I'm very proud of because we have somebody who is, you know, again, somebody who's picky about what shows they go yes, on. And very. it was, we jumped through some hoops to get him to even agree right. to come on. And then when he finally did, you know, he had a great time and said, you know, I'll come back anytime. Right. So that's, that, to me, that's what matters. When, when somebody wants to come back on our show, when somebody reaches out and says, hey, I had a great time for real, call me again. You know, that's when I feel like we've done the job right because now we have somebody who, you know, for me, it's always like the the, the, the pat on the back for me is always when somebody says, wow, I, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. And, Chris, you had mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, and I say, you know, I realized, like, that's what we should be doing, though. We should be, especially with guests who have been on numerous right. other shows, you know, trying to find a different way to take the discussion. And I really liked that there wasn't a set you know, I'll, you know, set of questions that are sent to us beforehand. These are the only questions you're allowed to ask, or these are things that, you know, you're not allowed to ask, because we have had guests that, you know, we get a 42-page document that says, here's our all allowed questions. And James Van Prague, who was pretty much the god of all mediumship, did not bother to send anything. He was open to anything that we threw his and, way. And I think people will notice, that now that they we have spooky TV and they can watch, very rarely do you see us looking down at a paper with, right. pre- with prepared questions. We don't. Part of that is because we're a terrible radio interview and we don't bother <laughs> to do research ahead of time. But the other part of it is we don't want to have a pre-programmed no. interview. We don't want to sound like everybody else. We just want to have a conversation. And speaking of conversations, we have somebody on the phone. Let's see who is on the line. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hey, Tim. It's Mark Altrusis. How are you doing? Hey, Mark. How's it going? Excellent. I just want to wish you guys uh, congratulations on your 500th episode. Thank you. Another person who's been there since number one. <laughs> Almost, but yeah, I wish. Well, you've gone back and listened that far, I'm sure. 
Anyway, I enjoy your show. I, uh, you know, I listen to the podcast all the time when I can't catch up live. And I appreciate all the work you guys are doing out there. Thank well, you. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure. I hope so. All right. Have, right, a, good have a good night. And uh, that is the, the original Paranormal Pirate. And uh, well, I, don't, I don't. Has anybody tried to take that crown from in the last few years? No. I know there were some problems before. I think somebody recently, yeah. Him and Dustin had a little bit of a dust up when Dustin tried to be the paranormal pirate. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, it was it was all in jest. Oh, okay. But Dustin like put some pictures up or something and like started talking to pirate and Mark's like, no, I'm the original paranormal pirate, and he's right. He is right. Five. He's awesome. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 877-996-1420. Uh, I did see uh, Ross mention Ralph Sarchi in the chat room. That he's somebody that you know he's been pushing us to try and uh, try and get us to have on. He also mentioned that one of his favorite episodes was the, was the Strange Escapes episode. I don't remember which one that was. Um, maybe he means Kindred Spirits when we had Adam and Amy together. We've had Amy in a few times. Right. Right. Where um, we talked about Strange but Escapes. He th- but he said he thought it was May 2015, but I wouldn't have. We wouldn't have had them on then for uh, the kids. Maybe it was when Amy was just starting. I don't know. I don't know either. I'd have to go back and, and check the archives. I was hoping that you knew. So, not off the top of my head. Somebody else mentioned the Black Eyed Kids. Yeah, when we had David Weatherly on. And that was a good episode. And somebody called in and said that they'd seen one in New Bedford. Well, it's funny because that's why I have the tattoo that I have. Because I actually saw one, I want to say maybe about 10 or 11 years ago, out in Freetown. On on the gap on the power lines mm-hmm. heading up, and it was just standing there looking at me, and that's why I got that on my hand. So yeah, it was pretty crazy that uh, you know I, I'm hearing that episode and getting to kind of like think about what I saw too. And you know, we've gotten a lot of grief from people about how come we've never gone back and revisited that because we don't really want to talk about them all that much so that they don't show up at our doors. <laughs> so that's why. Uh, but I'm sure we will revisit it at at some point. Somewhere down the line, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. And I was mentioning Ralph Sarchi. Uh, I have been in touch with Ralph for years. When Matt and I first started doing this show, uh, we had a friend of ours named Justin who brought us the book "Beware the Night" and said, "You have to read this book." And I did. And I was like, "I got to find this guy. We got to book him for the show." And I reached out to Lisa Cool, who was his co-author, and she said, "You know, Ralph doesn't do interviews, but..." Somehow or another, she ended up connecting us, and so for years, Ralph and I have emailed back and forth, and you know, when we're Facebook friends, we talk on Facebook, and we've always tried to plan it out where it could happen, and something ends up making it so it doesn't happen, but eventually we will have Ralph on. He's kind of taking a little bit of a, a sabbatical from doing f- interviews and stuff right now, but we'll get him on at some point, because it, it really is a great story, like his whole story. It, it's really fascinating. Uh, Corey's asking if we ever had Ben Radford on the show. Yes, we did. Yep. We had a very good time talking with Brad, uh, with Ben Radford, and we would certainly would love to have him on again. Uh, we have not done a Mandela Effect episode yet, or have we? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will We will at some point. Uh, actually, we really do need to get that going because a lot of people have been pushing us for that. The are problem we, is just finding the right person to talk about it. Are we going to do another live theater episode? It's been discussed. It's it's been bandied about. A uh, certain gentleman on the phone said he was going to write a script for it, and then didn't. Mm. Uh, I wonder who well, that is. Well, summer just started for me, so I I don't have school, so maybe I can have something for you by August. Well, no rush. I mean, we don't have to rush it if you want to do it. But I had a really great idea. Want to hear it? 
Well, if you give it away, somebody else might steal it. Right. Oh, yeah, true that. So, okay. I wasn't going to tell you anyway, but All I did right. have a really good idea that I'm going to have to revisit. I know I put it in a notebook, and I had, like, a little scene written out and everything. That was so a... maybe it's be an excellent opportunity to uh, revisit it this summer. That was, uh, that was a very... I, I think the unsung hero of that episode is Matt Costa. Yeah. Because... He spent a lot of time like pulling together all those sound effects, and it was that stupid fox sound that was killing you. <laughs> they wanted to have that baby fox cry, and you couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> like, he was looking around everywhere to try to find this, and it's not like the internet is now, where it's you know you can find everything on YouTube. You know, back then I don't even know if we had YouTube yet, but uh, he was he was very diligent, and the original plan was going to be that we were going to foley everything during the show. So he was going to get all the stuff in to make the sound effects and actually <laughs> do them. And then he's like, ah, no, I think that's like asking for too much trouble. <laughs> so we decided to have everything pre-recorded, but it was it was a pain getting all that together for him. And then I've, I remember like we didn't even know who was going to be the narrator until we did the, the, the read-through an hour before we went on the air. Yeah. You know, we had everybody come in. For those who have never heard the episode, go back and download it. Absolutely. Uh, it was... It was one of our proudest moments, but some friends of mine who worked at the Standard Times with me had written a script for a radio drama, and they said, you know, do you guys want to perform it on your show? And we said, well, we know plenty of people who are actors or who have acting experience who are in the paranormal field, so we brought in Andy Lake, we brought in Leanne Wilbur, yeah. the owner of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, she came in, uh, Keith Johnson came in, they had actually acted together in the past, the two yeah. of them, so they, we had them play a husband and wife couple. Um, the The Three playwrights were all involved as part of the cast. Uh, who else was part of the cast? Uh, Lizzie Russell came in. Yep. She was part of the cast. Uh, and I think, was that everybody? You were, I you was were a character. and, and uh, You were a character. And I, well, I ended up being yeah. the narrator because we had nobody left. Right. I wanted to say somebody else. I think we were going to have John Horgan come in and be the narrator, and he couldn't make it. Yeah. So I think I just kind of did it by default, and I did a terrible job. But the rest of, the, the rest of it's really good. So it's it's definitely worth listening to, and by the way, we actually had a uh, an audience outside. We did. Pe- we had people out there who were uh, who were sitting in lawn chairs, and actually, Matt, one of you two ran to Walmart and bought yeah, a, bought uh, a radio, yep. so that they could hear it. Because we're like, oh, there's people out there listening, but they can't hear us. <laughs> so they went and bought a little like boombox radio so that they could hear it. And uh, what what I thought was uh, the most impressive about that is, as I said. You know, we only rehearsed it together. One read through. One read through an hour before the show, and then we came in and we did an hour where we interviewed somebody about live radio, uh, about you know these radio serial dramas. So it wasn't even like we rehearsed it and then just came in and did it. There was like an hour in between, focusing on other stuff, and everybody still came in and knocked it out of the park. So and we beat the Christmas play that they made a big deal about here on the station saying, oh, it's the first time in 50 years that there's been live radio dramas on the right. Nope. We did it first. Just <laughs> nobody was listening. <laughs> and there is, uh, there is some commentary in the chat room saying that the, uh, the War of the Worlds one was excellent. I'm very proud of that. Always proud of that. That was put together at the last minute. Very last minute. Basically, uh, Matt Koss and I used to work in a restaurant. Moniz came in for breakfast. We said, what are we doing tonight? And so we basically hashed out the idea right then and there. And even then, we were still doing a bunch of stuff on the fly. Yep. And we had, like, serious ufologists like Peter Robbins that were willing to, you know, have a little fun that night and, and do it. So Chris got involved from Florida. Mm-hmm. 
we had Lucky called in, and yep. the, I think one of the genius moments was when you had called in from home because yeah. back then we didn't have the capability of just having you call in from the next room. Right. Uh, and plus, you're like, I'm just going to stay home if you don't need me. And so you were at home, and 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 Joe was playing the the video game. Game, yeah. And so you're using the gun sound effects in the <laughs> video game to sound like there was actually people shooting at you, which was awesome. And then we had no idea how to end it because our plan was to to run this hoax episode to, to run this new was, version of War of the Worlds. We call it an homage. But we, the idea was to go from that right into the old one without explaining to people what we just did so that when they heard the old one start, they'd be like, oh, that's what they were doing. And so, like, we literally just on the fly, Matt Costa and I made up this thing where I banged on the window and we acted like, you know, there were men in black here shutting down the show. And then he went right into it and it was perfect. And people were calling us still, yeah. wanting to know what was going on. Like, they were fully believing it, fully falling for it. So I was like, yeah. We did it right. That's it. Could never happen again now because people would be like, "Oh, they're doing another one of those, huh?" But it, it worked out so well just that one time. And uh, speaking of, uh, of Peter Robbins, one of my favorite episodes that we got to do was when we got to have Bud Hopkins yep. on for his his last radio interview. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that was because it was a personal favorite. Yeah. He was already very ill by that point. Yeah, but uh, that was a personal favorite to Moniz because of their relationship and. I was always somebody who was skeptical about the whole idea of abductees and talking with him and hearing about the work that he had done and hearing more about the work that Moniz had done. I was like, all right, no matter what's going on here, these people need help. And I think, you know, look at some of the things that have happened as a result of this show. I mean, look at some of the... Experiencers speak. There's one one direct relate because you've had Audrey and Debbie on, and the whole Starborn yeah. support yeah. organization, you know, came yeah. out of being on this. Uh, you know, uh, Legend Trips came out of this show. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what kind of kicked things off. And and how many paranormal teams have started, and friendships and relationships have started. You know, so looking back on it, you know, I have to say we we've, we've done pretty good. We've done a lot of good in the paranormal world. We've done some bad <laughs> too, but nah. <laughs> Nobody knows that. There's, there's been some bad. There's no, just, just some of the stuff we put out over the air. It's oh. not that great. I actually pulled up the list, and and uh, you can go through the archives. I guess as far back as they'll go. I was having some trouble earlier with some of the ones that we used, that we had, but you know, just looking at some of the old episodes that we we did when we got to talk to Richard Senate, who's no longer with us, right? Chris, Richard Senate passed away, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, talking about the Bell Witch haunting before the the movie came out about the Bell Witch, you know, before people knew about that case. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about how many people who have um, passed who we've interviewed, and we were either one of their last interviews, or we were, like, towards the end, or we got it just in under the wire. Like, you know, we were able to get a lot of people, unfortunately, who are not with us anymore, and a lot of people who were on their way up, too, who were... Who were uh, had a book out? Maybe they hadn't necessarily made a name for themselves, and it seemed. I'm not saying that we skyrocketed their career, but we just happened to catch them. Remember that Belanger um, guy? <laughs> What'd you say? Remember that Belanger guy we had on? I know. What was he? I mean, even <laughs> I never happened. Like, I don't think you can get <clears throat> you can get an interview with Isaac Marion today. Oh, but right. like, we just yeah. happened to get him when he was on. Was up, <laughs> way up, and he was still up and coming. And so, like, we were able to get to... Unfortunately, it was a horrible episode because I was hosting it. <laughs> but we were still able to get him on the show, you know? We, we had him on twice, didn't we? We had him on right before the movie came out. Yeah, he decided to come back because we had a relationship with him and stuff like that. But, yeah. And for those unfamiliar, if you, did, 
I don't know. I know you don't watch horror movies, but this wasn't a horror movie. John, you probably saw it. The movie Warm Bodies. Yep. With the, the zombie that actually like comes back to life a little bit, falls yes. in love. So the guy who wrote the book, we had him on the show when the book had just come out. And so then when they made the movie, we had him come back on to talk about the movie. So, you know, just fortunate enough to, as Chris was saying, getting him before he was too big for the show. But, I mean, look at Rick Hayes. Rick Hayes was a guy that when he first came out, <coughs> nobody knew who he was. And it was through coming on shows like this that he was able to kind of build up a following. I used to love those Rick Hayes episodes. What, the, the Why haven't we booked him lately? <laughs> I think he's too big for us now. The first... <laughs> we'll have to ask our booking the, guy. The first medium that we ever had on the show was Rick Hayes. Right. Well, the first one who we ever had doing readings. I remember because I think I friended him somewhere um, and started to, to read about him. And now he's in sponsored ads all over my Facebook page. <laughs> and, uh, and remember, well, we had Stan Gordon on talking about Pennsylvania... Uh, UFO cases as well as Bigfoot. Uh, we had uh, remember we had uh, David Goudsward on talking about ancient stone sites. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know where else can you hear shows where they talk about stuff like that? I'm just going through the list here of some of the old shows. Uh, well. uh, I mean, I considered like even even uh, someone like Dan Gordon has always been one of my favorite people in the field, although he's not really in, in the field. Right. But um, but him and, and his co-author, Mickey... Uh, Mickey Bradley. Mickey Bradley, like, we had them on for their first book, and then the second book hit much bigger, you know? And it was, I'm, I'm sure if we called Dan or, or Mickey up now, they would come back on with us, but those were another thing that, you know, they kind of became like a little institution of themselves, but we had them when they were, you know, had just published the first book. One of my all-time favorite episodes, not so much about the content, but just about the experience, was uh, back in February of 2007 when we interviewed Dr. Lewis Torrey. And the only reason that episode... You know, people yeah. have heard Dr. Torrey on Coast to Coast all the time, but the reason Skype. why that episode was so great was that he insisted on doing it via Skype, which <laughs> was iffy technology for us back then here in the studio, but also for the fact that he insisted on doing the show with his camera on so that we could see him the whole time, even though we had no camera for him to see us. And he did the show completely shirtless. So poor Matt Matt Koss is over here behind the board, and he has to stare at shirtless Dr. Turry through the whole show. (laughs) And it was very... I could tell he was very uncomfortable with the whole thing, mainly because Dr. Turry couldn't see that Matt was shirtless in in solidarity. So we have a call on the line here. Uh, Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Oh, it's only me. Hey, Five, what's happening? 500th anniversary, the 500th episode, it's the 500th anniversary. Well, yeah, if it was the 500th anniversary. You know, the I've, been, I've been at Summerfest all day listening to German music. Understandable, understandable. So, but no, I just wanted to call in and say congratulations, and uh, I certainly hope that it leads to another 500 episodes. Well, thank you. I'm going to ask and, you, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite episode? You know, I was thinking about it. And, I know you had um, mentioned the Strange Escapes one, but we're not sure exactly what you meant with that. I think it was actually just an episode of Amy Bruni. Okay. But um, I, I really enjoyed the one with Boyne Duncan when he was talking about his uh, Paranormal Diaries. Mm-hmm. The um, movie I think he's trying to produce, yep. or he's putting out soon. And that's and, where uh, he was he was still accepting stories from people at the time, too. Like, he was still looking for, right. for people to share. I think it was about a year ago. You know, and I always enjoy the uh, Bridgewater Triangle shows. That's yeah, that's that's always a fan favorite for sure. Yes. So. All right. Well, but, thank you for checking in. Yeah, no problem. Have a good night, guys. All right. Rest Thanks. up. All right, later. 
It's a tough day to be out in the sun all day today. So. Right. It was a hot day. Some, Thank some God. Nice. I'm just taking a look at some of this. Uh, I still remember th- this This. This was a great episode, Moniz. Not everybody can say that they were able to do this, and I think people might have forgotten about this. But on the 50th anniversary of the Roswell crash, uh, Matt Moniz Roswell, yeah. broadcasting live from Roswell with Jesse Marcel Jr. Sure. Yeah. His father had been the one that had actually transported the wreckage from the crash site. So yeah. that's yeah. See, going through some of these, it's like Jesse's now gone. He passed away a few years yeah. ago. Yep. Uh, David Omen talking about the Manson murders. Oh right, <laughs> August eighth, two thousand seven. Father Daniel Gargilio. Oh, I was wondering if we were going to get through this entire episode without mentioning that. That's a story for another time. And uh, speaking of things that we want to mention before we get done with this episode, yes, let people know about a few things that are coming up. We have it's June twenty fourth. Yes, is the Middleborough Paracon, and uh, so we'll, John, Stephanie, and myself will all be there, uh, and it's free. The whole thing mm-hmm. is free. Yes, unless you want to meet Nick Roth, then you got to pay for that. That's a separate event, but it's also happening at the same place. Right. So you can do that, you but can you can also make donations because it's to a great cause, anyways. Absolutely, the Oliver House is awesome. This I'm actually looking forward to. It. It'll be my first time there, and it'll be good because the money's actually going to restore the Oliver House mm-hmm. and to upkeep it because. It was neglected for so long. So the three of us will be there. The three of us will actually be lecturing that day, too, mm-hmm. along with Sherry Benedetti from Ghost Hunters. Um, our friends Mark Avila and Ken DaCosta will be there mm-hmm. as well. Am I forgetting anybody? Um, I don't think so. Oh. No, I don't uh, think so. No, I think it's everybody. Yeah. And then, uh, We're lecturing that day, for yeah. sure. We also have coming up as well, the Ocean State Paracon is coming up, and that will be taking place July 15th and 16th. Yes. At the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. And they actually have a comedy show and a VIP party on the 14th, the night before, to help continue to raise money for the Rhode Island Commission, the Rhode Island Coalition of Domestic Violence. I will say that right one of these episodes. So you can check that out at riseupparanormal.com. Yes. Find out everybody that's going. Get your tickets there ahead of time uh, for both the VIP party and the, the convention itself, which will be a good time. And the best part about that is... The lectures happen inside, where it's nice and air-conditioned. Nice and air-conditioned. Yes. So Tim and I are lecturing for that as well. Are, are you guys going to do the wonderful one that I get to see at P-Town? I don't that, know. Do we want to? That was actually totally off the cuff, more or less. Yes. And it was so, awesome, though. Yeah, I can't, ima- I can't guarantee it would be the same We made thing it. We made a lot of people around. laugh that day. We did. But we, we, we were also toying the idea we were also toying with the idea of taking the one that I did at Salem Con and expanding yes, on that. Which uh, I kinda liked. So, you know, who knows? We we got about a month month. Yeah, to we can it figure out, so. it out for sure. But we always like to surprise people, make them laugh, nice. have them enjoy the lecture and we never want to do the same thing twice, so we can absolutely do that. And then after that, August twelfth. Oh right, August twelfth we have uh, Ghost of the Gateway twenty seventeen. Yes. Which will be Another fundraiser for the Wareham Historical Society. You can get your tickets for that on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, a great night of investigating four historic haunted locations. And, John, I know you have some stuff lined up as well. Yes. Uh, Steph, when is it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you are my on. assistant, Steph. <laughs> but I thought you'd do my booking. <laughs> I didn't think I had to deal with yours. All right, so what do we have going on for what you? Is it? September, September... September 9th. 9th. September yes. 9th, yes. So uh, September 9th, the three of us will be at the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Mass. with Sherry DiBenedetti yep. again. And that will be a very spooky night. Every single time Tim and I go to that house, something weird happens. And a, a group of our friends were just there last night, and, and Matt from PXP, it was his first time ever being there. Yes. So 
I, you know, I, I know that uh, when you go there for the first time, it can be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, so, it can be. Yes, I, I yeah. look forward to seeing you know what they what they got. I'm happening. I'm hoping that we get to make our announcement as soon as that soon of possibly a special group of people and items that might be coming. I hope so. Oh, you better work that out because I'm I, trying. I miss them already. And, I know. And, and a very obscure gentleman. Yes. That we're trying to bring out to that event too, depending on how the tickets go. Um, somebody from the Michigan area. Stop teasing me, man. You're gonna make Tim Stop go home and cry about, himself. Talking about bringing all my all my favorite friends. I know, here. I know. Well, all my favorite what? friends that don't live here. We we yes. also might have another event coming up yes. that we're going to be teasing out. So yeah, I'm not offended by that by, at all, Tim. By the way, you talk, <laughs> hey, you gotta talk to Brightman, man. Um, he's he's the booker. You know, possibly something on an island in the water in the middle of the ocean with military barracks. Maybe, 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 maybe. We don't we don't know we're yet. We're working on a date right now. Because there's only one date left left for the rest of the season, so so we're we're doing that. And I also have uh, two open table tipping sessions coming up, and another awaken your intuition class. So you guys can find that on stephbrick.com. And while we're plugging things, I got something out there for everybody out there that has Amazon Prime. Well, you don't actually have to have Amazon Prime. You can pay for it if you want. It's only a dollar ninety nine to rent it. But if you have Amazon Prime, it's free. Please search for An Evening of Ghost Stories and New England Legends. You will find the PBS documentary that was made about the stage show that we put on. It's Jeff Belanger, myself, Andrew Lake, Carl Johnson, and it's set to the photography of Frank Grace. We've done this a couple of times now. I think we've, we've done three performances of it. The fourth one is coming up October 20th at the Westboro Public Library. So if you want to check it out, you can get tickets to that. I don't think they have anything up on their site yet. I was looking the other day. But it will be up there eventually. And I'm, I'm actually in the process of putting together a Facebook page for the stage show. Awesome. In general. But if you, um, if you go to Amazon and you search for An Evening of Ghost Stories and New England Legends, you can find the PBS documentary that Tony Dunn made about the process of putting together the show. So it just gives you a little bit of a taste of what the show is all about. But we need you all out there to watch it to rate it and to review it and to share it with other people and get the word out there because the more that PBS sees that as being something viable and the more that other theaters see this as being something people are interested in, the more places that we can bring this show. And uh, we, we've, we've got some ideas of how to do it in different locations and different places and, and a way to kind of retain what it's all about but also always be able to switch out some of those stories while also doing some of the greatest hits. So just search for an evening of ghost stories and New England legends on Amazon and you will find it. And while we're dropping other things, it looks like currently this August will be the debut of that TV show that I just worked on. So really? Is it? It was supposed to be July, but they pushed it back a little bit. There's some marketing campaigns they want to do and things of that nature. So that show should be coming forward uh, at least by the end of the summer. So uh, they're looking sometime in August to have that start airing on Destination America. When can you tell us the name? Well, it's currently called Haunted Towns. I believe that's the name that they're going to go forward with. But it stars the Tennessee Wraith Chasers from Ghost Asylum. So you'll be able to see those guys in a different format because instead of going to one haunted asylum, they're going to go to a town, a whole town with activity. So did they did. Did you think while you were working on this to try and get them to that town in Connecticut that's, like, abandoned? Yeah, the problem is there's nothing in there for them to film at. And it, you can't get permission to film in there. No, not Dudley Town. 
the the other one that's for sale right now that has actual buildings on it that supposedly oh yeah they they, they want places where people are oh, and where okay. people are living with this activity stories yeah yeah that, that's it's 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 about the experiences that people have and sharing those experiences and trying to figure out why they're having them so you know putting putting the forest for the trees Chris it <laughs> sounds like something that we might have talked about ten years ago. Nope. He's like, I'm going to hit my mute button right yeah. as he's asking me a question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I still have kids running in and out of the hotel room, asking me things. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that. I actually wanted to talk to you about the uh, those gentlemen from Tennessee because I was thinking about going up to Tennessee and I was wondering whether they had any information for me. Oh, I'm so sure I'm they sure do. If, they, if they've actually uh, done some of the sites that are up there that I'm that I'm looking at, but so I'll I'll drop you an email about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they'd want to join you for some of them too. So. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's show. Chris, thank you for checking in, and thank you for being involved in the first 500. Now go book the next 500. <laughs> or at least book okay. next week. They'll be booked in the next week or so. I've got, I've got 501 through 600. I'll do, we, do, we know, do we know who's coming on next week? Um, I'll send you the PDF, I think. I think, okay. it's, a, I think it's that boogeyman guy All right. next week. So, so we'll, uh, we'll have that in. At the very least, we'll know by next Saturday night. Yes, at least. <laughs> All right, that's how we do it. We've done it the first 500. We might as well keep going. All right, thank you, sir, for joining us. Have a great night. Have a great night. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. And uh, and thank you all for listening. I'm turning. I'm just muting him at this point. Thank you all to everybody out there for listening. Thank you for everybody that was in the chat room. I think we had like one of our biggest nights in the chat room so far. Uh, thank you, everybody who has tuned in and enjoyed the show over the first 500 episodes. We promise you that the next 500 will be at least better than this one was. And, uh, and you know, maybe we maybe we can pull out a few more gems over the years as we go forward. Uh, so again, thank you all. If you are missing any of these episodes, if you uh, haven't heard all these episodes, you can find them all wherever podcasts are found. We'll fix them. We'll get them so you can find them all. But until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Chris, for Melody, for John, this the list just keeps getting better. We want you all to stay spectacular. <laughs>